it has come to my attention that there is a certain word that I have not said in a very, very long time. So long. You don't understand how much this has paid me. What has this podcast even become? It's a certain little word. It starts with an F and finishes with a... And finishes with H. It has been prevalent throughout um, a lot of episodes early this year. And then we went to like some heists and, and thefts and all of this nonsense. Have I really connected to myself like I did before? No. So this whole month is the month of serial killers. And what do serial killers have? <laughs> the word. Word, word, word. Fetish is the word fetishes. We are right back. And this is a weird one. And I'm way too happy for the debilitating insane case that's ahead of us. This guy. This guy. I'm not sure how to describe it. It's, it's one of the really underrated serial killers. And he was just messed up. Like, I'm not quite sure why he was like underrated as hell. But yeah, the shoe fetish slayer, Jerry Brudos. Okay, I know why he was underrated. He didn't kill that many people. Like, when we are, you know, looking at, like, serial killer scale. He didn't have, like, you know, a Bundy moment where he kind of killed multiple people in, like, one evening. He wasn't, like, Kuklinski-wise, where, you know, he just was brutal as hell and worked for the mafia. But he is in no way, shape, or form boring. Hi. Also, welcome. This is, um... Maya, your host, and this is by all means necessary. I dive straight in. Sometimes I don't introduce myself. You might think you're lost, but no, we we have found you. This is most definitely your podcast if you're into true crime and me saying fetish about a hundred times an episode because that's happening. I decided for October, it's my birthday month, whoop, this has no structure already. This is already a promising one. The caffeine hit me and it's already one of the most promising episodes. So for my birthday month, I decided why not give myself extra research and cover three serial killers of certain interest to mine. And I mean, I cannot not start with a fetish. Come on, come on. This this podcast began strong and is still going strong. And it's a long one. So let's start unpacking the life of Jerry Brudos. Jerry Brudos killed four women during a one-year spree. It's his fetish for women's shoes and the obsession with collecting trophies that made him continue his mission by all means necessary. What were his motives? The beginning of this story is already super strong. Also, I somehow managed to switch from recording on microphone uh, to not recording on microphone, so I'm re-recording like 30 minutes of the episode. It's not like it's already an hour long. It's great. You don't care about that. Cool. Beginning of the story. So imagine you're in a sorority house. Some of my American listeners have probably went through that experience. How do you call I always forget until... I see it on like candlelight or something. You have a word for like acclimatizing to a sorority house. It's usually just the one that involves like getting super wasted and yeah, just becoming one of the girls or one of the boys and all of that nonsense. So you're in a female sorority house, right? I put you take no bullshit because you have passed the test. You have been accepted. It's 1969. 
you're going back to the past, baby, and you get invited on a date. But this is not a usual invitation on a date by somebody like your age, you know, you know, from the other university hall and stuff. No, somebody has invited you on a date through phone. And maybe exactly because of that, because that's odd for 1969, you know, maybe because this guy sounds older and you don't know that he has actually rang a couple of women and they have rejected him and he is a creep, you accept to go on this date and you're like, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? But then when you're on this date, you're kind of like screaming in yourself, red flags everywhere, because this guy has suddenly started to talk about murders that you know from the newspapers and stuff that are happening in town of other young women that have just disappeared. And he's like, oh, that's awful, right? At that point, the police just started digging those bodies from the river because a father and a son have just went on, like, you know, family bonding, father-son bonding fishing trips, the worst kind. And then what happens in those trips? You found a body. You're like, this is the worst father-son bonding experience. My son is scarred for life. So he is somehow aware of everything, like what river, what car parts they have been sunk into that river with. And he is doing the classic, mm, if I done this, this is how I would do it. And you're like, okay, I mean, who the hell, not a single normal person will ever do that. Just saying. If you're ever on a date and somebody's trying to prove their interest into true crime by saying, like, this is how I would commit murders, one, they, they have done it already. So he's clearly giving you details on these dates that the police doesn't know about. But you don't know that. You might not be super into true crime and or reading, like, every single detail in the newspapers, but you're still creeped out because this is, like, 100 red flags in a guy. This guy is literally made up of like red flags. You know how like you have an, an outline of like a head and everything? Yep, it's, it's his organs are red flags in themselves. He doesn't take the meditation and the self-help advice where you, you know, when you breathe out, you release all the bad energy. No, he keeps it all inside. Okay, my self-help book reader. And now he tells you to think of something sad and close your eyes and think about these murdered girls. Think about something sad and think about something awful that might happen, you know, in the future as well. And you're like, yeah, I ain't closing my eyes. This was such a nice time. Goodbye, yeah. And you go back to your sorority dorm and you kind of have the imprint of how he looks. You're like, this is a heavy set guy. He has light hair and has freckles. And you still have his number, but you ain't crazy to call him. Like, he is a creep. But then, another day on campus now, you know, a couple of days have passed, and you notice the police interrogating other girls who have received similar calls. And, you know, you kind of nudge the police officer like, hey, that sounds like somebody I actually went on a date with. Yeah, he didn't creep me enough, unfortunately, before that date, so I did go out with him. But here is his description, like, what do we do? And the police is like, okay, shit, you have his number. You need to arrange the second date, and then we are going to be waiting for him outside. So they do. And what do you think? That Jerry Brutus told them the truth? That he's out there to date, like, this still almost teenage girl? Of course not. He was like, oh, I'm just waiting here, you know, for, like, my friend. You know, my friend is just uh, finishing off his work and then we are meeting in front of a sorority house. Even my imaginary friend is a red flag in itself. Even my imaginary friend is a creep. And now the police knows that he is lying. So they let him go that day. 
but they are kind of now collecting evidence because as I mentioned, this is when the body is starting floating up to the surface. We've done a minisode on this. I told you water is the dumbest way to do it because you never know how the body will react. You never know what is going to catch on. You never know if there's like ebb or flow season. Is the part of the car that heavy? Like we've done this, we've covered this, particularly for this episode. And when they're now looking into these bodies in autopsy and everything, they're like, okay, it's car parts, he has cars, right? <laughs> it's like me as a detective, it's like the randomest, the most, the widest range. It's like, hey, it's a car part and that person is a driver. Guess what? Bingo. This is again why I'm just the armchair detective, because I don't like miscarriages of justices and I would certainly cause a lot of them. They also discover that these women have been tied and he hasn't removed the ties. He doesn't probably believe in his even capability that he has killed them, because why are you not removing ties that you have tied them with? Genius. So they discover the knots that they have been tied with are a particular kind of knots and they're usually connected to a specific profession. That profession is electricians. It's like din 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 moment in their head and they're like, ha, huh, look at that, cars <laughs> and his profession, match. And also he's a creep that we just um, quote in front of a sorority house. But this is where I'm gonna leave you on a cliffhanger. And now we're gonna go straight into Jerry Brutus' spree and then come back to his arrest and trial. Because I can't tell you everything. You need to be left hanging. Did he get a prison sentence? Did they get him? We don't know. Well, we do, but it's gonna come later. <laughs> Y tú no estás, no vuelvo por ti. What was that word, my? No vuelvo por ti. Yeah, you're right. Say it, say it in the sentence. Don't just swallow it. Don't just swallow it. Nicky Jam wasn't born for this. For you to swallow his words. Well, if it isn't the singing challenge of the day, and that day where I go from one topic to like singing or a hundred other topics, just to avoid the brutality that we are gonna go into and the weirdness of it all. So I need to get something inappropriate out of the way. I need to play it and then explain what it is. I cannot, I cannot. So this is a song from the 90s, I think it's 95, the video as well. I think I'm gonna put the video in the description. It doesn't matter that it is in Serbian, you don't understand it. She doesn't understand it either. She's saying, Sherry, Sherry, give me, give me love. So, you know, as much as in English as in Serbian. The video editing is everything. It gave me so much life. So yeah, as I was researching this, I thought she had said Jerry, Jerry, so I really listened to everything and I was like, wow, I do not regret this. <laughs> it's such a nostalgia throwback to videos back home where there's like somebody in the club with like literally those disco lights so they're recording in like a sad, sad room. And there is like a perv in the background with the sunglasses because apparently that was a look. Sipping on his drink and pretending he's the coolest guy in that club. Those were the videos in the Balkans in the 90s, truly. <laughs> Obviously with the outfits and the makeup, winning, spot on. But yeah, she doesn't even say Jerry, so this is pretty pointless. Let's go into his crime spree, let's stop avoiding what I have been avoiding for the past three minutes. 
as mentioned, Jeffrey's crime spree was between 68 and 69. So between January 68 and April 69. And during that time, he successfully killed four women, but then he attempted to kidnap other two. And those... Just everything about it. Let's just dive in. So, the first victim of his was only 19. And this one pains me so, so much. So, her name is Linda Slauson. Why it pains me? Because she was door-to-door encyclopedia saleswoman. As somebody who has had a single day of trying to be that person, not encyclopedia saleswoman, but I tried to work for charity and I was like, I didn't expect it to be what I wanted. Also, my true crime genie in me, you know, the genie in a bottle. Don't sing it. Do not, for the love of God was creeped out by the fact that I need to knock on other people's doors and then they are gonna invite me in. I was like, with that first one, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. But I also didn't have the... uh, what's the word? I'm an an immigrant, get me out of here. Uh, What's the fucking word? Not longevity. The possess. Let's, Let's call it possess. I'm not gonna Google it. I didn't have the skills the possessed to get myself out of these uncomfortable situations. So what I've done, I told her I need a toilet. And the closest toilet was like at some freaking petrol station. And I ran for it. I was like, I'm not doing this charity begging thing door to door. But it was common back then. People have done it. People try to sell Bibles and encyclopedias and just earn like some honest money. Also, I think it was probably more money than like boring ass office job would get you back in the day. So Linda was out there trying to do her best. And she clearly wasn't a lazy cunt like Maya who just couldn't walk for like nine hours of the day. However, when she came upon Jerry Brutus's house, he, guess what, invites her to the basement. This is so cocky and so like showcasing Jerry Brutus's character because his wife and two children we're in the house. So that's why he invited her into the basement. So in the basement, he's like super like pretending like, oh my God, like I need all these encyclopedias. You know, I have children, I have a wife, like we all want one, la di da di da. And then he's like, yeah, let me just go get the money. And obviously she was turned towards the stairs. So as soon as he is back to her, he just kicks her head with like a heavy object. And as soon as she is unconscious, he strangles her. He, like, goes back now. He's like, yeah, totally normal. Just doing some work in the basement, you know? And then retrieves again to the basement. And then he dresses Linda in female undergarments and shoes that obviously he has stacked up in this basement because he has been stealing this from his wife, from other homes, from department stores. Jerry has been out there fetishizing about these things. So what he does... He uses a hacksaw to cut off her foot. And then he's not obviously looking for the whole of her body. No, no, no. He is fixated on the feet. He has the worst of the fetishes. He disposes of her during the night and obviously ties her to like one of his old car parts and throws her into the river. And with this foot, he keeps it in the freezer and then uses it to model all of his high heel shoes that he has stacked up and he is obsessed with. I just imagine like the Lord of the Rings golem because I mean he he was not a looker anyways so just like him just you know touching these stilettos cleaning them be like my precious and then doing the disturbing thing of taking the food out of the freezer yeah but again just a showcase of character he was so cocky with this one because obviously 
with this with this kind of job that's again one other thing that I didn't like about it because I like the fact that I am a regular and like when my job like if I was not to show up if I was not to log in that somebody would be like yeah this is uncharacteristic for Maya let's call her let's check if you know if she's alive but with this kind of sales encyclopedia sales jobs people don't so it wasn't weird for her colleagues that Linda maybe just decided not to sell encyclopedias no more. But her friends did report her missing. And because from that sales company they got that she was in that general area, they even interviewed Brudos. And he was that cocky that even with her like foot underneath in his basement, he was just like, nope, nothing weird here. Have not seen her. Good day, police. Good day. And as soon as he later dazed them, he realizes he has gotten away with this. Like, they have no reason to suspect him. And when a person like this gets away with shit, you know that there is more where that came from. Because they can't just, like, submerge the urges now and just not do it, no. So Jerry, here, thinking, genius, yeah, he, he uses his brain for all the wrong reasons. So, this genius is now like, okay, I can't do it in the basement. So I'm gonna convert my garage into this, like, killer crib. In my garage, I have an intercom. So what I'm gonna do, because it's 1968, right? What I'm gonna do with my fucking 1968 wife is ask her if she wants to come into the garage, which she doesn't have reasons to anyways. She will need to buzz herself in for whatever reason and ask him for permission to go in. And that's how I solve everything. And well, unfortunately for three other girls, that will be true. So his second victim is Karen Sprinkler. She was also only 19 years of age. And this is when his MO kind of starts forming. So he's like, okay, where do I have the least amount of risk? And somehow he realized that that's department store car parks. Obviously, there was no CCTV, no nothing. So he's like, yeah, cool, I'm gonna come undetected here. As long as, you know, I get them to my car straight away. There's no way of them knowing it was me. So, he abducts Karen dressed in women's clothes. Okay, this is the time when I tell you that during this research something has popped up. <laughs> On Wikipedia, delivering as always Wikipedia, donate to it. And that is that J.K. Rowling's new book is based partially on Jerry Budos. Also, I don't know how she based it partially on this. Did she just invent this? Because there are other serial killers that have been cross-dressers. And this is kind of the only... There's only a few occasions in Jerry's life, even during this research, that it was, like, confirmed that he was doing this. So it's probably very lightly based on it. But yeah, gotta love her approach. It's like in the, her most controversial time. And this is when she chooses to write a book on this. Not super smart, but yeah, if you decide to read on it, this is the case it was supposedly based on. So with Karen, he brought her into the garage and she was still alive and trying to probably figure out how to get out of their life. So he just told her like to pose for different pictures. He's gonna take photographs of her. But then he probably realized that he is more of a product killer. He is more of like what he does with the aftermath, with the certain body parts. So he rapes her and strangles her by also one of the eeriest things in the story, by hanging her from her neck by this pulley machine so slowly watching as she takes her last breath now he has sex with her dead body and then is when he decides on a new souvenir as well so he would cut off her breasts and then make plastic molds out of them 
Then again, he realizes that his body disposal method was efficient, so he does the same, disposes them in the same Willanette River. And yes, in her case, he obviously again kept her foot to like model for different shoes, but also kept the breasts. Now the police suspected that she was abducted from this parking structure, but again, because it was 68, they had no further leads. And she was just actually in downtown Salem, going to meet up with her mother for a lunch date. With the third victim, Jan Susan Whitney, she was 23 and she was just driving her car on the interstate between Salem and Albany in Oregon when her car broke down and Jerry stopped and was like, yeah, it's fine, I can drive you to your house and you can call a pickup truck then. Again, no mobile phones or nothing. Obviously, as soon as she was in his car, she realized they're not driving in the direction of her home. So they go to his house. And now he's kind of, he hasn't thought this through, right? So he is in his parking lot. And there's two versions of events here. One is that his wife was in the house and she kind of came out and was like, hey, dinner's ready. And that he just brushed her off and told her, yeah, I'm just doing like a business suggestion, whatever the fuck. That's like by people that think that Darcy, his wife, was super involved as well. Or there's an event that, yes, his wife and kids were in the house, but he just realized that he has an opportunity here that he can't just miss up on, because what the hell, otherwise he has a witness. So while he is in this car with this woman, she is in the back seat, right? So he thinks of a way to get her into the front seat, and he's like, let's play a game. And the game is that she's gonna go into the front seat, so into the passenger seat, he's gonna go into the back one, and she is gonna tell him how, like, close her eyes and tell him how to tie a shoelace with her eyes closed, and just try to explain it the best way possible. And somehow, she probably thought she was gonna save her life, she does it, and he strangles her from the back seat. Again, even though she was already dead, he hangs her onto that pulley, because that's now his ammo, his process, and... He obviously takes the the foot and now he keeps taking the boobs and he is kind of, I think, more fixating on like taking these boobs and making them, molding them into something, experimenting with that. So what he has made with this one, again, there's two accounts. One is that it was a paperweight and the other one was that he kind of displayed it like you would display deer heads on the on the wall in the house and he disposes of her body again same way and disposes of her food because again the food is rotting here now so he's kind of fixating you know maybe moving away from this gross food fetish that he has but also i find this interesting because i think it might be like something to do with him getting really cocky and really confident that he will not get caught because Apparently, Darcy, his wife, has actually found out about this. So, like, when she entered the garage with his permission, she has actually seen either the paperweight or just, like, the teeth fucking on the on the wall. Which, again, is, is not like a deer head. Like, you can't just explain that to, to the spouse the same way. But somehow, he did, or she just didn't care, or didn't want to be one of those people where her boobs are displayed on someone's wall garage, so she just kept her mouth shut, which allowed him to proceed and to kidnap another woman. This next story might be my favorite thing from, like, any any true crime things. She survived, that's why, number one. But also just because it's the weirdest fucking thing I have heard or read. I have had to, like, have different sources confirm it because I was like, okay, I love this. So, Sharon Wood, she was 24, 
and she was just headed to divorce proceedings. And you know, you don't mess with a person going for a divorce. They're already hyped up, like they're on next level hormones. Their mood is heightened. You, don't, you just don't, you just don't. So he again tried at that department, he again went to a parking lot and basically tried to like muffle her sound, right? So came from behind with his hand against her mouth and she bit. But she didn't just bite, she had one of those jaw muscle spasms that she couldn't release the bite. So that was painful probably for her, but more than that for him, because he was now bleeding and he couldn't release his arm, he couldn't release his hand from this woman's bite. She is trying to like save herself and he finally manages to like release his hand and now like runs for it because he knows the police is gonna come soon this has caused a commotion there's other people that he might have witnessed it and the police does come and now they finally have a description of him and that's that he is big red and freckled so vague as fuck but at least they have something to go on at least they have like race and size and hair color and well when jerry came home he obviously didn't feel confident say it with me yet another heterosexual like this guy is just going to his wife and kids like nothing has happened but inside deep inside you just know he's dying he's like mm, what's happening jerry you didn't manage to to get that woman as smoothly as you did with the others what are you, are you getting rusty what is this this is like when somebody ruins your kind of confidence, I don't know, on like a date or some shit and then you're like, no, no, I need to like go immediately on another one to prove to myself that my game is still strong. She's gonna say her name is Delilah and I'm gonna say you should come my way. <laughs> oh, what? He's giving himself a pep talk to be like the Jay Sean of today. But obviously, if you, if you have ever actually done this, you know that you will fail because your confidence is ruined. You need to build it up for at least a couple of days. So when he goes out to kidnap another woman, Gloria Jean Smith, who was only 15, oh, thank fuck she got out there alive. She not only didn't bite, but she screamed and she ran for help. So now if his confidence was shite, he, it's already like, okay, cool, game changing. Jerry's giving himself a pep talk. He needs to change his game completely. And his way of changing a game, just just listen to this story, because it's so sad that it worked. It's so sad that it worked, and you understand that it could have probably only worked during those serial killer sprees. He pretends he's a police officer. He has made some shitty ass badge, and then has shown it again in a parking lot of a department store to Linda Sally, who was only 22 years old. And he was like, yeah, I'm just investigating the reported cases of shoplifting. And she's kind of like in, into her purse, showing him receipts and everything. It's like, sorry, I actually just need to bring you to the police station. You know, this just needs to be investigated further. And she's just like trying to explain. She just went to buy her boyfriend a birthday present. And this one is particularly bizarre and just sad because obviously she realizes he's not leading her to a police station. So they again make it to his front yard. He brings her into the garage and is now realizing like it's dinner time, you know, that he can't just do this because Darcy is gonna like realize, well, that he hasn't been there for dinner, you know, possible like alibi gone for the future. So he ties her into this garage and actually yeah, tells her like, keep quiet, and she does. Like, there were reports that actually this garage door wasn't even, like, locked. She could have run. But she doesn't. Because she thinks when she comes back, when he comes back and sees that she didn't fight to run, maybe he lets her go. But, of course, this just made Jerry super happy when he did return. 
and he didn't care whether it was that or was it just like frozen fright where she just couldn't freaking run because she was just frozen in place. So he again proceeds to strangle her and then just do the things with her dead body, but he here decides not to cut her breasts because they were too pink. It pisses me off when these men think that they have standards. You are into a foot fetish, sir. Do you not understand that there's anything wrong with you? What now you, your choice? Like, imagine him seeing my fucking nasty feet when I was born with like six toes on every one of them and then they were operated. He would be like, okay, this is a, like, this is a waste of time. He would probably consider me like a waste of fucking person. No tits and ugly feet. What can I do with you, Maya? And here he drives an electric current through her body in an attempt to make it jump. Which uh, won't come as a surprise to any of you, especially um, not other electricians who are probably 20 times smarter than Jerry Brudas here was. Yeah, that body uh, won't jump. Mm. No, no, I know, right? Uh, shocking. So you could see that he is getting sloppy because of his confidence and just because he is like experimenting in this experimenting stage now. So now because this is his last victim, let's go back to where we left it off, and that's the trial of Jerry Brudos. We left off with a sorority girl and with the bodies floating up, right? Well, we also, as you now have seen during the crime spree, left off with a witness. Well, actually a few, yeah, two, but one of them actually described him and, well, had his blood on him, apparently. So she was invited for a lineup, and boy, she delivered. She recognized Buddha straight away. This gave police obviously reason to actually go and search his house, so to get a warrant. And they did, and obviously this house delivered. Again, there is like a report where, well, they when they took him out of the house, that they were interrogating him in the police station, and that here is where he's dumbass, because again, he doesn't understand how life works. He has made a call to Darcy and told her to burn all of the pictures. And that, well, by the time that the police was actually looking into the house, they didn't find some of these pictures of the victims and, like, their feet. Which, obviously, depending on which side you're on, you're kind of like, mm, this Darcy does seem like a shady character as well. Like, how did his wife just not know or just ignore everything, every single sign in front of her? So, in his garage, they find the nylon rope, they find the pictures, and they find the trophies, which was probably the most terrifying and just not a good day to be doing the police search, not a great day for that police officer. Talk about an easy shift and thinking you're logging in for an easy shift, it never works, sir. They learned early, in the early days, but no, Maya still keeps hoping, it's like it's gonna be an easy shift and it's always the worst one when you hope that. At trial, he was found guilty for the murders of Sprinkle, Whitney and Sally, and he was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences, um, out of which he only served 37 years, and he died in prison in 2006. He didn't get convicted for Slauson's murder because her body was never found, so again, he did something right with one of them, I guess, because he threw them all into the same river. But yeah, as I told you, with water disposals, mm, it's really a, a more of a lose-lose situation. Darcy got scot-free and she divorced him and again just um, moved away, changed the names of his children and again don't go out looking for people's names, like they're just probably trying to live their best life and move on from this weirdness. Just imagine being the kid and knowing your dad had like someone's boob as a paperweight, you're like, what was my childhood? Just, what? 
I, I can guess every fetish that you have, like you find like super disgusting and weird and just question it. Which I mean, if it is food fetish, yeah, you should truly question that shit. You should probably, yeah, get some therapy because why would you ever be attracted to feet? Of course, this doesn't end here because Jerry in prison, do you, think, do, you, do you think he escaped his fetish? No, it's a fet- fetish owns it, okay? Starts with an F, finishes with an H. It's a magical word that owns you. So, over his years in jail, he would successfully solicit a large collection of women's shoes catalogs from these clothing manufacturers that he wrote to. <laughs> I put, this is why getting rid of your addictions is crucial, truly. Just the vegging that person who like had fetish since his childhood and is now in prison being like, this is still my game, it's still, I, I gotta have my fix. Of course, he, this didn't go like super smoothly with his emails. It was like 70s, it was 1970s, it wouldn't go smoothly now. So he would get beaten by them. And uh, it was reported that he was treated for rectal bleeding that was classified as being caused by hemorrhoids or other. We all know that, yeah, that wasn't just hemorrhoids, they just classified other, anything that was even remotely homosexual in nature. And he died in 2006 from liver cancer after spending a record breaking apparently 37 years in prison because he was the longest incarcerated inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections. Wow, fun facts for your next house party. Or if you're Maya for like your next welcome meeting at a company, <laughs> your like, next company that you're on board with, just hit them with the facts. They don't, they, they all need to know. <laughs> It tells so much about who you are as a person as well. I mean, they, it's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Can they handle it? Can they handle you? Michelle, can you handle it? Just got reminded of the only time where my husband actually was like, oh, that was good in terms of like the joke. It wasn't even a joke. I was like, really? I thought everything done that comes out of my mouth, this was good. I was talking about Michelle and obviously it was Michelle Obama like I was not talking about Michelle from Destiny's Child. And he was just like, oh, what Michelle? And I was like, well, Destiny's Child, of course. <laughs> like, duh, I'm not talking about a first lady. <laughs> what relevance would that make in this life or any other? It's like, of course it's Michelle. Like, nobody ever forgot about other people from Destiny's Child that I can't even name. And he would just look at me and was like, oh, that was good. I was like, this is what impresses you? This is it? Just shaming people who others have forgotten about? Wow, you really need little. Mm. Moving on to Jerry's background. (laughs) So Jerry was born in 1939 and he was the second of two boys. He was born in South Dakota and um, as every most 99.9% 99.9% of Silicos had a turbulent relationship with his mommy. His mommy kind of hated him because she wished that he had been born a girl, but then she also would dress him as one in order to humiliate him, so that must be healthy as, as fuck. As somebody who has watched Criminal Minds, obviously what this means is that you kind of need to fulfill the purpose of killing all these women and you're killing all these women because the only person you wanted to kill was technically your mom. I mean, actually, the great example of that, by great, I mean morbid example of that, is Ed Kemper, because he just, well, he kind of practiced and killed other women as well, but then he just went straight for the target. He was like, no, the result of all my issues is my mom. Well, Jerry wasn't that smart. He was just dumb from the get-go. 
So his fetish obsession started since he was five. And boy, aren't we impressionable when we are five? I immediately, I knew that knowledge is power. Since I was five, I was overhearing other people's conversations. I was hiding behind the curtains. I was pretending I was asleep when we were at the seaside in Montenegro. And my parents thought that I was having a nap. And I just stood up once I heard the information. My dad was like, you didn't even sleep, did you? And I was like, no, but now I have the information. So fuck all of you. <laughs> uh, Jerry discovered shoes. So he was playing at the junkyard, you know, doing all little kids in the 40s style things. And he found this high-heeled shoe and he was like, oh my god, this is my destiny. So, you know, of course, as every child, he's like, I'm bringing this home. This is this is who I am as a person. But then uh, when he went home, his mom caught him and then she humiliated the shit out of him and destroyed shoes. So he would just literally stand in the garden and watch these high heels burn. And he was like, I hate you, mom. And I love the shoes. So that's a healthy upbringing for you. In first grade, you know how like teachers sometimes come to school in like high heel shoes and then, you know, they just swap into like slippers and they just take them off and stay in like socks or tights while they're teaching. Well, this teacher did that in the 40s and she left high heels underneath the table. Big mistake, woman. Because Jerry is dumb. Jerry doesn't understand that she needs shoes to like go home after that. She's not just not gonna notice that she doesn't have shoes on her feet when she leaves the building. So of course Jerry is like, yeah, let me try to nick her shoes. And the teacher noticed and you know, when the mom came to pick him up, she was like, oh yeah, you know, it's a silly thing Jerry did. But yeah, he kind of tried to nick the shoes and his mom lost it at him, humiliated the fuck out of him at home. Again, not apparent, but maybe just let them get it out of their system. At, at worst, they're gonna be homosexual, okay? Like, none of this would have happened. She, she just let him be a girl that she wanted. She didn't want a boy in the first place. What is your logic, woman? What's the logic of everybody in this family? Why is everybody dumb? In his childhood, Jerry had two friends. Well, one was the woman that was in the neighborhood. So she was kind of like older figure, kind of probably his mom's age. And well, he used to go to her house to escape his own because clearly his mom is just a fucking bitch. He's just humiliating him for every single behavior, like normal or not. This is also why I think gender reveal parties are wrong, apart from, you know, burning and causing wildfires in the US. Or at best being just the most cringeworthy thing on fucking Instagram. Just, oh my god. What is wrong with just, you know, coming home from the doctors and be like, hey, we are expecting a girl. That's it. That's it. Jerry Brutus wouldn't have existed in this day and age because his mom would have probably just aborted. Be like, well, well, it's a boy. I don't want a boy, so goodbye. But no, he had to escape from his mom and go to this other woman neighborhood. That woman died of diabetes, and he also then had another friend of his, like his age, who died of tuberculosis. So now it's only two friends he had that are dead. In the meantime, at home, everything is not going smoothly. His mom is berating him from everything. So now we are at the stage when he started, you know, actually having an interest, being like early teenagers. So when he would wank, which my <laughs> notes uh, autocorrected to waking, so I was like, wait, why did she <laughs> punish him? Why did she do this if he was just waking? You know, just getting up, Jerry just leaving. And his mom is like, yeah, wash your sheets. You're like, oh, wanking, yeah, that was it. 
thanks autocorrect that bummed me out for a second i was like he was just leaving he was just like waking up and his mom was like i'm not gonna let you leave your wife not that this was any more normal and then there was this event where he found his brother's stash. His brother was actually good at drawing and he would draw like naked women, you know, like when he would find like a stash of porn magazines, he would be like, ooh, this is how tits look like, let me draw on it. And his drawings would include shoes. And we know, Jerry sees shoes and Jerry's like, damn, this is it, this is it, let me bring this to my stash, let me bring this to my room. So the mom caught him, he got in shit again, but he just didn't blame, he didn't snitch on his brother, well, First of all, probably by this point he knows that whatever he did, he was the least favorite child. So snitching on his brother wouldn't have worked, and plus he probably wanted to keep the paintings for himself as well. During his teenagers, now obviously he's escalating, you know, his mom is berating him, so he's like, yeah, let me wank somewhere else. Which is probably the only logical conclusion that he has made, even though he didn't understand how evidence worked clearly. So he started stalking women in the neighborhood, and he even went and pretended he's the undercover police officer that, again, he will use later in life. Went into this woman's house, and when she just, like, went into the toilet, went into the room, once she got out, he had a mask on and he had a knife in another hand. Again, autocorrect, correcting this in tonight. What is happening with this autocorrect shit? It's fucking up my script. I was like, why did, how did he have the whole knight in his hand? <laughs> Suddenly went like super deep and poetic. But she didn't report him to the police officer because he didn't actually do anything to her. He just wanted to listen to her scream. And, well, he just wanted to take off with the shoes at all times. So she was like, okay, cool, that was kind of harmless. He just stole a couple of my shoes. But, of course, when this is not reported, this is why you need to report every single thing. doesn't matter how trivial you think it is, because otherwise, if you don't, they think they get away with it and they escalate. So at the age of 17, he threatened this woman at a knife point and he forced her to remove all of her clothes and then took pictures of her before he released her and let her go. This doesn't mean he has full control over them. He started attacking women at random. He attacked this woman just as she was driving, just as she pulled out like of her car, and he took her out, started beating her, and luckily somebody witnessed it, called the police, and he was actually arrested and sent to the Oregon State Hospital psychiatric ward for about nine months. While there, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. But still, he was, because again, this is like the 50s now, right? So he was allowed to attend school during the day, and he even managed to graduate high school, along with the rest of his class, while attending this psychiatric ward. And when they released him, they kind of always had this, like, boys will be boys attitude with Jerry. Also, that was kind of just the attitude in general in the 70s. But people just were like, yep, he doesn't have any homicidal tendencies. And they diagnosed him while he was at this hospital with schizophrenia, but also with depression. Which is just, like, how can you... (laughs) I mean, I know that this is forever ago. But I know a couple of people diagnosed with depression. They're not out there fulfilling their fetishes and beating up people on the street. Because they are depressed, okay? They don't have this energy, they don't have these urges. No, this is a fuckery. Also, it's offensive to like people who are actually diagnosed this way. Once they released him, these psychiatrists, psychologists, these generally not qualified people, have advised him, well, have given him the best advice after everything, and that is to live his own life. Meaning, you know, drop, drop the tit, drop the mommy's tit, please. 
So soon he followed their advice and he got a job as the mechanical and electrical engineer. And again, like many serial killers, he actually tried to serve in the military, but he was discharged due to his obsessions, the same, mainly just like because his fetishes. He couldn't find heels in the military, you know, he was a great heterosexual who needed his heels and his fetishes, so he just uh, got out and started working for radio, where his mate introduced him to Darcy. And when it comes to Darcy, well, Darcy was about five years younger than him, so she was only 17, which again does say a lot, as in she was probably impressionable and, you know, didn't make the best decisions because he was 22, so A, he was older. He was never a looker, but yeah, A, he was older, but also her parents hated him, which just made him more attractive to the girl because she wanted to rebel. And obviously he tried to sort of get Darcy into, you know, wearing lingerie. By the way, apparently according to the script, I don't know how to spell lingerie. I'm pretty sure this is not correct. She had to like do all of the chores, you know, cooking, cleaning all of the stuff in high heels, which first of all, fuck the 60s, but also how uncomfortable. And then when they had a kid, when they had a first child, you know how you would get like a tricycle for a kid? Well, he made Darcy pose on the daughter's tricycle naked. <laughs> I put in the script, get your own, get your own sexicles. Because A, that's not, conf like, what is the logic? What arouses you? It's like number one red flag, why the child's tricycle? Why not like a grown-up or just a grown-up bicycle if you're avoiding this? It's kind of weird that it's child's tricycle. Red flag, run for your life, like it. And obviously just taking pictures of her naked in stilettos, having her pose on this child's tricycle just wasn't enough after some time. And then, yeah, he went on his crime spree. Now that he is doing his electrical work, he's working for different radio stations, right? Has those short-term jobs, he's like here and there. There's another event from his life where he had this electric current go through his body. So he basically had like an electric shock. And well, he later went back to that event and be like, well, this was it. This was what caused everything that was coming. It's like, no, I think it was more like your childhood and your hatred towards women and your love and obsession with shoes, but uh, sure. And soon enough, he wasn't able to control his urges. So he had been walking downtown when he noticed a pair of women's shoes and he followed the woman wearing them home. And after she went to bed, he strangled her into unconsciousness and then raped her. And then he took the shoes and left. Again, if this just ended up at a shoe fetish slayer bit, that, that would have been okay. Like, you know, he would have served some time in prison, maybe actually gotten into hospital and not being diagnosed with depression. But no, that obviously didn't happen and it had to escalate. And that's why the psychology of this I find so intriguing, because if you can have a live woman post for, like, if you just had some game, you know, you just spilled the lines, I'm interested to know, do you think, like, had he had enough game, had he had, like, picked up girls, you know, apart from Darcy, lived up his life and then just actually married, and yeah, his wife was maybe like, okay, cool, this is a fetish, and well, I think he had to be treated for something as well for this to have stopped, but would it have been prevented, or was it actually that he was just killing his mother in all of these women? And yeah, a year after this incident, Jerry Budos escalated to murder, so... What were his motives? I've got a sponsor and the sponsor is myself. 
Interrupting the regular program with a small announcement that I have added yet another piece of logo into the merch store. Both on Redbubble and Teespring. I have added the YouTube channel logo, which again is another cute illustration of me leaving my office job for the world of true crime and comedy and a lot of true crime. And if you can relate to that, then head click click them links below in the description. Get yourself some merch, get yourself some shirts, watch me on YouTube and see how like different pieces look like because I wear them on me. My personal suggestion is to go for comfort tees or comfort for hoodies because they're the most comfortable and then they just like you know soothing and soft on your skin and you're like yay i'm never gonna get out of this merch and i'm like bam right you get it you get it okay cool let's continue with the regular programming go buy merch go buy merch bye i think there are a couple here so one of them is the suppressed identity obviously his mom constantly was just berating him for not having been born a woman which i'm like do you understand that he couldn't have just changed the gender in your womb you weirdo but also like constantly being repressed sexually where then he would just turn that pain and turn that anger inward and then just twisted that to sexism, misogyny, whatever you want to call it. Plus probably like a few psychological things like schizophrenia, I don't really believe. Just from what he was displaying that depression might have been accurate, but then again, not a psychologist. And I think it was with Jerry really from everything, once I take everything like and summarize it, it, sh- it is definitely the control, the urge to have just complete control over humans and to become a product killer as much of an extent as he could have he was never great like he was never good at it he was never smart at it he didn't have the charm wasn't the looker just nothing worked for him and why i say control also it's because of the necrophilia part so i googled necrophilia motive (laughs) crimes you know the magical couple of words i was like give it to me wikipedia give it to me google and well it said that the most common motive for necrophilia is this possession of the unresisting, unrejecting partner. They can't say no, they're dead, and then he can do whatever, and he can take trophies and then display them and make of them as if they are a product for him. So he can do anything he wants with any part of them, because he has the full control. He says necrophiles often choose occupations that put them in contact with corpses, or like Jerry with objects, the fascination, was there, the fetish. So that's kind of that soup, you know? soup of control, the um, childhood, the shame, constant instigations of shame, shame, shame. And who is making him feel that shame? His mother. And then he's killing because in every woman he's like, yep, I'm killing my mom over and over again. Misogyny. Hit it. On repeat. So that's the case of Jerry Brudos. And yeah, if you take one thing out of the story, that is to cure your addictions, control them, tame them tame that motherfucker because you don't want to push it that way it's not even that he could have stopped himself before but just imagine yourself like how sad you need to be in prison and then feed an addiction i'm like it's like the lowest of the lows this isn't a happy fetish crime this didn't give me like the luigi longi you know might have been true might have been false vibes ah jerry you piece of work another moral of the story if your mom thinks you're a waste of sperm work on the issues that that causes you in order not to actually become like a waste of life yeah (laughs) like i hate it for this shit
Alright, because this week was already, it was heavy, okay? I know this was heavy. It's like fetish, haha, but it's heavy. So on the spot is just gonna be replaced again with my recommendations because I want to scream about these two. I actually wanted to start the episode with them and I was like, I cannot drone on at the beginning of the episode. No. Well, actually, one of them is life-changing. It's something you definitely need in your life. And it's a podcast called Anything You Say. Alluding to, obviously, you know, anything you say can be used in the court of law against you. La -da -da. And it's truly, like, rarely, you know, I think, like, I've done a twist when it comes to true crime genre podcasts. But this is full-blown filling a gap in the market, which is the best ones. Because, well, they just haven't existed and now they do. So everybody listen to it. It's by Walt Studios. So again, the production is great. And it's, well, behavior scientists and just, like, psychologists analyzing the police interrogation. So it starts off strong, it starts off with Chris Watts, but then every single one blows my mind, like even I learn so much in every single one. Stuff that you wouldn't think about, like there's only three episodes now, so go listen, you know, have a mini binge. But the third one, I was like, Jesus, I learned so much, because like you never think about, let's say the suspect is saying, I have never done this, well, they're not asking you about like, have you ever done it, it's not like, never have I ever, they're asking you for a particular case, for a particular situation and crime in question, so this is like technically kind of deflecting technique. Or, like, throughout the whole interrogation, like, he was speaking in present tense, which is kind of like, I'm thinking, this is what I do for the cases that I tell you, which is obviously a story that I'm telling you. It's not, like, something that happened in real life. So I'm, like, trying to, you know, be, like, imagine this, putting you into these places. But clearly, if you do that in the police interrogation, that kind of, again, tells them that you're lying, because if it happened to you, it happened in the past. So you're talking in the past tense. It's just great because, again, it just tells you, like, you stand no chance because there are people who analyze every single line you say behind the curtain. And they will nail you with everything you say because there's no way you can be that good to not make a single mistake. It's, it's how you speak. Unless you pre-think every single thing and then, you, what, you're sitting in silence for a while. That's already suspicious. Yeah, you know, just don't commit crime. Next week for On The Spot, I'm going to include something that I'm going to publish on, on YouTube. And for that, again, it kind of ties to this. It's to do with the Criminal UK episode. And it's the second episode of this season with Jon Snow, you know, the Kit Harrington actor. The Kit Harrington actor. Because I think, like, not enough people talk about it in general. So let me not spoil that. That's going to be in the next week's episode as, like, the On The Spot story. And there's a second recommendation. Okay, what do we think about the new Chris Watts documentary? Let me know. Because that's the one where, like, with this podcast, I'm like, okay, maybe other people haven't discovered it yet. But with this one, I'm like, pretty sure 90% of the people listening to this would have watched this. Because it's a Chris Watts story. Because it's fucked up. I personally thought it was really well done. I love the perspective that it was done because even if you know the ins and outs of the story, it's like Chris Watts, right? Family annihilator killed his wife and kids and then lied about it and said that his wife has killed kids and that's why he killed her piece of shit. Completely worthless. Little cheater piece of shit. Got ripped and everything because he like wanted to cheat. Uh, special. Special case. But it's the thing, I really like the perspective because it was done from Shannon's point of view. It's quite literally like texts and like her posts and I love that that was the approach that they have taken because again, it's not the approach that, well, I have seen before 
because it's not like oh who Chris is where he was born like it's not about Chris it's about like what she has experienced and Chris is just like a side character that appeared in her life and it kind of makes him lose the power so I love that that's what they have done with the documentary especially like when her parents speak at his trial and it just yeah it just doesn't give the guy any power and I love seeing it from that perspective so let me know what you have thought about that one so those are the recommendations I have for this week. And now, I mean, it's already been an hour, Maya. Like, what is this weird-ass story? Your next Zoom call is coming up and you're already sighing and rolling your eyes and being like, oh, okay, let's look presentable, you know. <laughs> let's just roll up in my bed and look like I'm not in bed and like I'm not leaning on a pillow. <laughs> it's like my first world problems when it comes to Zoom calls. And this week, I would like you to question the colleagues on what exactly they have said during their first, like, their welcome week. Or just who they presented themselves as. <laughs> you know, like, with me, I was like, hey, serial killer fact, guess what, John Wayne Gacy had KFC as his last meal. I was like, that's the lightest one I could go for. And nobody just stopped to be like, are, are you okay? <laughs> are you just into true crime or are you okay? So you be that person for somebody else who stops by and thinks like, hey, why did you manage to introduce yourself? By just being superficial, just telling us about all of your accomplishments in life. Because uh, we, we don't care, like, who are you as a person? Do I know you as a person after six months of working with you? Or was it just all small talk? What are your fetishes? Okay, don't go there. Maybe some people would not just be like, mm, that, that sounds like something I want to chat to you about. But again, if they do, then you know. Then at least you know they're not as creepy. They're not going to keep your boob as a paperweight. Because papers don't need weight. Papers don't need to be weighed down. That's the conclusion of the story. And neither do people. So that's why when you go into that... <laughs> So that's why when you go into next Zoom call, you make it your bitch, yeah? And by doing that, by owning that place, you own it. You own the conversation. You make this world, what? A better place. How? One motive at a time. Wow, you just keep, you keep slowing. You keep answering my questions. This is such a great conversational method. Okay, I've lost it. So um, yeah, this is it. <laughs> Goodbye until next Monday. Hit me up on the socials. Follow me on the socials and on YouTube to support this podcast. That I'm pod. Cool, 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 cool. So great at managing social media. Amazing. Bye, fuckers. <laughs>